Welcome back to Fintech Insider Focus in association with Visa. In this show, we take a burning question from financial services across the globe and really put it under the microscope with explainers, expert panels, and in-depth interviews, all to bring the global community into focus. Today, I am joined again by my Fintech Insider Focus co-host, Emma Kerr, who is the SVP of Strategic Partnerships Europe at Visa. How's it going today, Emma? fantastic. It's finally spring in London. It is. Everybody's happy, isn't it? With a little bit of sunshine, it just makes such a big difference, doesn't it? Absolutely. All right. Well, this is the second part of our focus on the question, will great UX keep European fintechs ahead of their competitors? If you haven't heard the part one of this conversation, go find it wherever you found this podcast and listen to the panel discussion with amazing guests from Spendesk and Revolut. We spoke about how great UX was a real secret weapon when it came to fintech and how the market has evolved over time and whether the biggest players in the market will eventually catch up as well. Emma, but to recap a little bit, why is UX so important a topic for Visa? Increasingly, financial services is experiential and Visa is all about providing value to consumers and having a best-in-class UX is is paramount in that. 100%. It's, it's just sort of everything that organizations do these days, isn't it, in terms of, so particularly when we're talking about digital experiences. But So in this second part of the show, we're going to be sitting down with um, a big-name guest from the European fintech scene to dive into the weeds a little bit more and understand that topic from a different perspective. 11FS's own David Barton Grimley was lucky enough to grab some time with Surrender Chaplot, who is the Chief Product Officer over at Wise. It's a great chat that I know you won't want to miss. You'll hear from that after a quick short message from our friends at Visa. Don't go anywhere. Visa's FinTech Fast Track program is streamlining the onboarding process for FinTechs, enabling them to gain access to Visa's powerful capabilities and network. Visa and their enablement partners help FinTechs launch and scale cards, virtual credentials, and disbursement programs. To learn more, visit partner.visa.com. I'm David Barton Grimley, Global Strategy Director of Embedded Financial Services here at 11FS, and I'm delighted to talk to so many amazing people from across the industry. As mentioned, it's great to be joined on Fintech Insider Focus by Surendra Chaplot, Global Head of Product for Cards, Wise Business, and Wise Platform at Wise. How are you today, Surendra? I'm well, David. Thank you for having me. Wonderful to be here. It's a pleasure. Um, for our international audience, and I'm, I'm sure many of our audience knows about WISE, but let's start off with a, uh, a quick introduction to yourself, what you do, and a quick potted history of WISE. All right, let me start with what, uh, what WISE does first, and then I'll come to what I do at WISE. Um, so WISE was started by our founders, David and Christo, uh, back in 2010. Uh, the founding story of WISE is uh, pretty straightforward and simple when you look at it, uh, you know, 13 years after, but effectively, um, David was uh, working in uh, in Estonia and getting paid in euros, but living in in the UK, so he needed pounds. Christo, on the other hand, was getting paid in pounds, living in London, but he had a mortgage to pay in euros um, over in Estonia. They met at a uh, at a pub one day, and then they decided that actually we've been losing so much money trying to do this transfer through the high street banks. Uh, which are charging us like north of 7 10%, why don't we just exchange this money between the two of us on the mid-market rate that we see on Google? 
Um, so they started doing this and then it, it ended up becoming a Skype group of people who wanted to do this. Then it became a sort of an Excel sheet or a spreadsheet of sorts. And then they started a, a website to do this in 2010, which was launched ev- effectively uh, like 13 years ago now. We've been now profitable for, for five plus years. Uh, we do a whole bunch of things, which is around um, un- you know, mo- moving money around the world or money without borders, as we call it. Uh, our mission is to make money without borders, instant, convenient, transparent, and eventually free. Uh, and effectively, we have three products that uh, help customers uh, do this. We have Wise Account for consumers, which helps them uh, keep their money in 50 plus currencies now, uh, lets them send money, spend money with a debit card that comes along with the account, uh, receive money with local account numbers that they get in 15 plus markets, and then now also manage their money with different kinds of options that they can keep their money in uh, separate kinds of funds, which give them interest or put that money to work in a in an index fund on stocks. Uh, we have a similar offering for businesses, SMBs specifically, which lets them manage their uh, employees and manage their funds by you know directly integrating with their accounting software of choice, but at the same time also giving them controls over uh, who gets to do what on their vice business account, along with all of the power that I already talked about of sending money, spending money and receiving money. And then we've got Vice Platform, which is our uh, API product for banks and enterprises who want to integrate the Wise API and use the money movement rails that we've built for their customers so that they can benefit from our infrastructure and services. And I myself joined uh, Wise about five and a half years ago, um, and I, I joined the kind of APAC headquarters in Singapore. And I'll kind of try to give you a, a, a picture of, and starting from the very beginning of, of my journey here at Wise, uh, I joined to I joined the regional expansion team um, to get our product um, uh, in different parts of, of Asia. Uh, the first product that I worked on was Hong Kong, which was to get our product, the, the Send Money product live for our Hong Kong customers. Uh, eventually, I ended up working on, on the product in Japan, in Philippines, in Vietnam, and in India for my first year. My second year, I started working on the debit card product, uh, which was, again, giving customers a way to spend uh, the money that they were holding with the Wise account in different parts of Asia Pacific. So launched the card in Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, and Japan. Uh, my third year, I started leading this product globally. Uh, so I was responsible for bringing uh, the debit card product to now 40 plus markets around the world. And over the last two years now, I've taken on the responsibility to, uh, or, or I look after the product teams uh, for Wise Account for consumers, Wise Account for businesses, and then also support the Wise platform uh, product. Um, so that's sort of what I do. Um, happy to jump into more questions. Fantastic. Thank you, Surendra. Um, and today we're here to focus on user experience um, and the centrality that UX has to the success of fintechs like like Wise and and your story and I, and I think when we when we talk about UX we're talking about the everything from the underlying service to how it eventually boils up into what the customer sees and I think it's it's a it's really interesting to have you here talking about it because I think Wise and what was originally TransferWise was such an important story um, back in the day back in 2010 it was such an amazing disruptor so so it'd be good to start with with there actually and to talk a little bit about you know your views on how critical UX has been to Wise's success. I mean, it's to us, it's fundamental to everything that we do, uh, and what we want to effectively get to is uh, how do we make money without borders as seamless as sending an email, uh, where it, you know, 
almost takes a backseat of sorts, right? Like where you don't have to think about, uh, you know, how your money is moving, right? Because especially when you're dealing with money, there's always a level of uh, um, not necessarily anxiety, but like a, you know, worry that people would have if your if your money takes too long to move around uh, around the world. Um, and we do this by you know very simply the the the, the matrix that we use is uh, what what's called Net Promoter Score or NPS, right? Uh, and that's the way we measure how how our customer experience is. Uh, we pride ourselves in 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 this one stat, which is most of our customers, more than seventy five percent of our customers, join us from word of mouth, um, and that happens because you know, somebody tells them that, hey, Wise is amazing because of whatever reasons that they found, uh, you know, uh, special about the experience that they got with got with Wise. Um, and that's how we've kept building on it. And, and typically, like, if you talk to a customer and ask them that, hey, what, wh- why would, why did you kind of, you know, recommend Wise to your, uh, to your friends and family? And then you'd effectively get an answer, which would either be very rational, uh, which is usually around, why is it so amazing? Because it was so much cheaper than a traditional bank. Or why is it so amazing? Because it was uh, so much faster in moving the money. Um, or it will be on an, on an emotional side, which will be primarily around the mission that we have as a company, which is to bring transparency to money movement, which is customers would often say that, hey, I like using WISE or I associate with the mission of WISE because of the way we conduct our business, which is where we are extremely transparent to our customers about all of our fees that we are charging them at all points of their journey. So much so that we even have a comparison table on the homepage itself where customers can now see, customers have always been able to see actually how much it will cost them to use a competitor instead of ICE. And that is like the in, in the almost in the DNA of the company that are uh, you know, which is Im- embedded in, a, in the mission of the of the of the company as well. That we want to make money without borders, instant, transparent, uh, convenient, and eventually free. And then practically, how we do this is just to you know look at consistently look at NPS and do more of what the promoters are saying and do less of what the detractors are saying and fix those issues. It's really interesting to hear that um, for all of those things that you're tracking. You're using NPS as a as a very simple and clear metric to benchmark um, and baseline your your growth. And um, I want to talk a little bit about you know reinvention and experimentation and how important that is to to product iteration effectively and keeping up with the newest developments in in the industry. I mean, how does how does Wise you know you you think about um, as wise as a business, you're completely global. Um, you've got operations all over the world. How do you think about prioritizing? You know what you keep the same and and what you change. That's a wonderful question. So I think there are certain product pillars that we want to keep the same, specifically around transparency. So we've brought in, like, if you look at the history of Wise over the last 12, 13 years, we've brought in, uh, you know, from being just a send money company to now doing in my mind, almost three different companies within one. One thing that is consistent across all of the products that we launched for our customers is uh, transparency and doing it with complete transparency every single time. Uh, that's something that's absolutely crucial to us, which I think would never change. Uh, how we think about experimentation or, or, or what you're saying, like, you know, constantly innovating in this in this market is kind of goes back to NPS a little bit, which is just listening to our customers. Like most of the new products that we've launched uh, over the last uh, seven, eight years, like be it the Wise account or the or the card product that comes with it, 
all of these products, the genesis of the or the idea behind it kind of came from customers asking for it uh, in many ways, right? When we were just a send money company, customers came to us and said, hey, why don't you allow me to keep money with you? Because that will make the transfer even faster because then I don't have the hassle of moving the money from my bank to WISE. So we started building that capability. And then the customers came to us and said, well, it's great that I can keep my money with WISE. Now, why can't I spend that money uh, with a convenient debit card? And so that's why we brought in the debit card to it as well. And then most recently, we've now brought in our assets product, which gives customers even more control over how they want to keep their money with WISE. Uh, we give them a, a product which we call interest product, where they can earn up to 3.4% in, in the UK, for instance, backed by a government-backed uh, fund, uh, which keeps their money safe, gives them a return, and then also uh, comes with instant access and unrestricted access to keep spending and sending that money anywhere. All of these ideas have come through listening to our customers consistently and like talking to them and asking them what would they make this product really special and make you want to talk about it to your friends and family. That's brilliant to hear. And, and is there anything in particular that you're experimenting with, you know, in 2023 and in the future or anything that you're hearing from customers? I mean, it sounds like you're moving deeper almost into, into banking and financial services as a, as, as a company. So I think, again, our, uh, you know, our goal here has been truly around money without borders. Um, we want to go deeper and deeper into uh, giving customers the best way to keep their international money, uh, the best way to send that money anywhere, uh, receive that money from anywhere, and then spend it uh, anywhere like a local. One experimentation that I can maybe highlight where we have started to now um, uh, started to now kind of build a few products is how do we give customers more of a um, uh, spending like a local uh, experience, especially when they travel around the world to places where uh, card acceptance is not necessarily very high. Now, if, if somebody is traveling in Europe, you can expect that the cards would be ex accepted anywhere. But if those customers, in, if our European customers, for example, are making a visit to Singapore or, or, or neighboring um, uh, APAC markets, cards are not necessarily accepted anywhere. But our goal is to, again, how do we give customers a spend like a local or pay like a local experience, even when they are in uh, these markets? And we've started rolling out in Singapore, for example, a pay with QR code uh, method. So effectively, if a customer from Europe or UK comes around to Singapore and goes to a hawker center here and wants to buy a meal, and they see that it's either cash or a QR code, they can open their WISE account uh, or the WISE app, scan the QR code, pay using the WISE, uh, the, the money that they're holding with WISE, and they're good to go. Uh, this is a very seamless experience that we are trying to kind of you know uh, give to our customers that they can be anywhere in the world and they can keep using their, their money anywhere like a local. Uh, again, a lot of it is driven by our customers asking for it uh, rather than you know us experimenting about it. Like we know that customers need this and that's why we have started uh, you know investing time and effort into it. Is there anything specific you're seeing um, about customer needs um, in the European market versus, you know, you mentioned Singapore, for example, or APAC, or even the US? I think that's a very fascinating question. So I think in different markets, customer awareness about different um, different things in the market are different. Like, so to give you an example, I think in, in most of our European markets, customers are a lot more aware about the fees that they're getting charged. You know, customers in Europe have been asking for transparency, uh, a lot more than customers in the US, for example. 
you know, high ATM fees or high fees on cards is pretty common in, in the US, but in the UK uh, or, or, or Europe, um, that's not something that you can get away with very easily because customers are a lot more aware about it. And then in different markets, I think what also changes is what's the level of convenience and seamlessness that a customer is expecting uh, from the product. Um, now to contrast it with uh, some of the markets in Asia Pacific, a customer will choose us a lot more for the price and speed advantage we give them, specifically the price advantage that we give them that they end up saving a lot more money versus customers in Europe, you know, they would want, you know, something extremely seamless, even if it costs them a little bit more money. They would want it to be transparent and clear to them that what is it that we are charging them for, but at the same time, they're willing to pay for an additional level of convenience. So I think with each market, maybe the pillars, the importance of each of the pillars that we have slightly shifts, but ultimately like all the customers around the world are asking for the same thing, maybe with a slight difference in like what's more important to them as if, if you were to compare one against the other. It's always interesting to hear the how diverse customer needs are across markets and how perceptions of a product change almost fundamentally from from one country to to the other. And thinking about how, you know, different markets have different customer needs, right? And that diversity of the way people perceive money uh, and sending money abroad. How do you think about expansion into new markets? It's very interesting if you develop a service uh, in one market and you need to expand into a different market and you can see that there is maybe quite a lot the same, but actually quite a lot that's 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 different. I mean, that might be actually quite a difficult thing to do. And how do you think about variation from from one country to another and maybe what learnings do you do you have from that journey? Yeah, that's a, that's. I mean, as a as a company that wants to make money without borders, uh, we have to expand to all of the markets around the world and uh, to make money truly without borders. And what we try to do again is with each of the markets that we're going into, uh, we try to figure out what's the customer expectations in in those markets, and then how do we offer same high level of service on both price, speed, convenience, and transparency to those customers in that particular market. And typically what would differ is like uh, how customers perceive certain things in, in a specific market and how much more they care about certain things. So specifically in Europe, for example, they do care about the, the convenience that a, that a product like uh, Vice can bring, uh, bring to them. And they do care about, you know, specific different kinds of agencies more than others. For example, the one, the you know, our, our expansion to Germany was, was one of the best examples for this. When we started putting the certification that we got from an agency called TUV on our homepage in Germany, people started developing that trust even more. And so again, with every new market that we go to, there, is, there has to be a certain level of localization that you, that you have to do. Uh, language is one easy one. Like obviously a lot of, a lot of European markets, language remains, or different languages are important for us to localize the product in that language, make it available to the customers in that language. And then secondly, what we also see is um, we need to be able to give customers extremely local payment methods. Uh, even within Europe as well, like there are different payment methods in which customers can, uh, you know, receive money or send money. And partially, not just how they are using those payment methods, but then also how do we keep making the cost of using those payment methods even cheaper in those markets, which requires us to invest in making, say, direct integrations into the payment systems in any of these markets. So for example, in Europe, we've 
we have directly connected to uh, the Hungarian payment system. We are directly connected in the UK to the FPS uh, system as well. What that allows us to do is make the cost of transfers even cheaper and then pass those cost savings back to customers. And then all of this expansion also helps us to expand to other parts of the world. Like every time we expand to a new market, we take the learnings from that market and, and try and apply them uh, in, in different markets around the world. Again, one great example there is, um, is our Singapore uh, market expansion. Uh, when we launched our product in Singapore, the regulator in Singapore expected us to be doing face-to-face verification, which means every single customer, and we had 30,000 of those on the wait list, every single one of them had to come down to an office, get their verification done in person. We did run this for a few months, and then we showed the data to, to the regulators in Singapore that, hey, here's the data from our expansion in different parts of Europe uh, and different parts of uh, North America. And, and here's the data that we see from Singapore and you know, convince them that, hey, actually face-to-face verification is not giving us any uh, benefit um, that they care about. And then they eventually changed the regulator, uh, regulations, allowed us to do uh, digital KYC. And in fact, we were the first ones to then connect to their, uh, say, uh, MyInfo is, is, the, is the term that they use, which is a completely digital online KYC uh, uh, platform that Singapore government has. So again, expansion, what we try to do with expansion is localize as much as needed and then use those learnings in other markets uh, wherever we have to expand to them. The regulator story is a really interesting one because regulators all over the world almost demand customer centricity to to an extent. And it's really interesting to see how, because you're taking a customer-centric approach and you're, you have the data about what customers need and how they use your service, that you're actually able to lead the regulators in some senses to help to help change the regulation for the better for the customers and also for, for the industry overall. And, and just sort of staying on that industry point, if you reflect a little bit on... Wise's growth over the last 13 years, um, we now have a, a very rich and diverse payments industry, I would say, for things like um, global global remittances, for domestic payments, all sorts of stuff. It's, it almost feels like a different industry to what it was in some ways 13 years ago. I mean, how do you think about constantly growing and staying relevant um, as this industry expands almost around Wise in some ways? Yeah, like, I mean, things have changed in, uh, in the last 10 years. I think... Uh, Customers are becoming more and more aware of the problem. Um, they can they can see a you know a, a, a solution like Wise and 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 they can say that they they can see the uh, the benefit that they get from using Wise versus uh, say a traditional bank. But I think that still remains a big part of the problem that we need to solve. Which is uh, so to give you an, give you some context, the Wise moves about four percent of the world's money. 96% of it, or most of the 96%, is still being moved by traditional banks. And the reason it's being moved by traditional banks is because uh, customers that are using those banks aren't aware of how much they could be saving, uh, in purely in terms of cost, but then also in terms of the benefits that they're going to get from uh, using WISE in terms of speed, and then the convenience of using the WISE product as well. Um, so a lot of the challenge that we have, along with the rest of fintechs that have come along, is how do we keep bringing this awareness to our customers that, hey, you could be using a much more superior product and you could be saving a lot of money and you could be um, uh, you could be sending money uh, instantly like uh, like you send an email. So that's that's one part. And then on, on to your second part of the question, like how do we keep ourselves uh, you know, on our toes? Again, it's the way we um, run our company and how we want to be true to our mission. And what we do very well is every quarter we send out a mission update to our customers and we tell them what we have shipped for them. We are very transparent on the price, the speed of the transfers, 
and we report it back to our customers. And by doing that, we are almost uh, you know, making ourselves accountable that we need to be consistently improving this product uh, for these customers. And the second thing we do is we just consistently try to listen to these customers as much as possible, either through, um, as I was saying earlier, the NPS comments that they send us or through just listening to them and, and meeting them as often as possible and, and understanding their deeper needs on what would it take for uh, what would it take in the product to ultimately solve it for them? I'm thinking about the uh, you know the point that you made earlier that the vast majority of payment flows still go through incumbent financial institutions. I mean, do you thinking about the industry overall? Have you seen a a growth or an improvement in the UX uh, from some of these incumbent institutions? And, and, you know, would you still expect maybe that the fintech industry as a whole, why is in, included with all of the other fintechs that exist out there, to be the ones that continue to, to lead UX uh, into the future? I think it'll still be the fintechs who would be leading in this regard. So certain banks are better than others. Certain traditional institutions are better than others. Like There are certain examples around the world where uh, these traditional institutions have seen, you know, a player like Wise and have tried to improve their user experience. Some of them have actually uh, done one better, which is uh, embed Wise inside their user experience. So we have more than 60 institutions, banks and enterprises who use Wise platform. And what they do is effectively use our APIs to plug it into their apps and, and, and websites. And their customers can get all of the power of Wise uh, all within the same uh, same application uh, without having to leave that app. It becomes even more seamless. In a lot of cases, actually, that's much more convenient for customers than you coming and using WISE. Like, for example, in the UK, Monzo uses us, N26 in Europe. And there is a whole bunch of other uh, examples around the world where banks, uh, digital-first banks, maybe more than traditional banks. Uh, but we're soon seeing traditional banks also looking at this trend and seeing, actually, instead of investing all of the time and effort in trying to compete and building this uh, user experience themselves, why not uh, why not embed WISE inside their, um, inside their ecosystem? And we've seen a couple of examples now. We have Mandiri, uh, uh, which is the second largest bank in Indonesia, which went live with, uh, with WISE. We have Shinhan Bank, which is one of the largest banks in South Korea. Which, has, which is using by, uh, WISE inside their apps. So it, it has taken us a while to get here, but I think more and more uh, traditional players are now waking up to this reality that uh, their customers are asking for the same level of convenience and same level of transparency, and they can now use WISE platform to just kind of embed it inside their apps. You're right. Rather than thinking about incumbents catching up almost to fintech, it's a really a completely different story, isn't it? It's more about partnerships, um, between all sorts of financial institutions, whether it's a fintech or not a fintech, around technology, around things like modern rails and APIs that that make some of this kind of stuff possible. Um, thinking about, you know, how you grow and continue to grow, would you say there are still some challenges to overcome in UX? I, I think we're still a fair bit away from making it as seamless as sending an email. Like, ultimately, our goal is that you... You tap a few buttons, and uh, and the money is where you need it to be uh, within seconds, uh, at next to zero kind of a cost. the The customer experience of anything that deals with money um, has to be so good that it almost takes a backseat, right? It almost gets to a point where customers don't even have to think about it because the minute that they have to think about it, it is almost always that oh shit, where is my money? Kind of a thing, right? Uh, so we need to be able to get to a point where customers trust you enough that as an as a company 
uh, they can put their money in this company. And then secondly, customers trust your services that, okay, if you are, if I'm using Wise to send money anywhere in the world, it will get there at a, you know, in, in a, in a uh, near instant uh, timeline itself. Um, so I think there's still a long way for us to go to get there, to get it to a point where customers can completely forget about the UX layer that they're ultimately using, uh, where it becomes as easy as tapping a few buttons, right? As easy as sending an email effectively. And to get to that dream, that that North Star almost of completely frictionless cross-border transactions, are there any developments that you would like to see from from the industry, from from regulators, from government, from some of the transaction rails that that will help improve that UX? So yes, I mean the, one of the biggest challenges that we have is that how do we get access to the payment systems, where, as you said, like in different parts of the world, because that allows us to then pass along all of the savings that we make by directly integrating with payment systems, by directly getting, say, the account numbers that lets people move money um, across those and receive money locally in different markets. That's that's one big part of our challenge. And this is a mission that we've had in kind of getting to as deep of a reach as possible in as many markets as possible. We've only, we started with the UK, we've directly connected with FPS, then, uh, you know, uh, Europe obviously was the next one. We've now directly connected in Singapore. Australia is another country, which is pretty big for us, and where we're directly connecting uh, to the payment system. I think access in general is a big challenge. Uh, regulators around the world have typically not been able to open up access, uh, different payment system, different payment types uh, to fintechs in general. I think more and more countries are now uh, getting it to a point where they make it easier and easier for a new age fintech or a, or a new company to come have similar levels of access as a traditional bank has, because ultimately it will drive uh, the UX to get to a point where in the end, the customers benefit, right? And it, it's a longer journey. Uh, it takes a while, like every single time that we launch a new market, we have to consistently engage with those regulators, keep showing them that, hey, ultimately it's the customers that end up winning if you give this access to more and more companies uh, who are now who then build on top of it and uh, a customer experience that uh, passes along all of those benefits to the customers in the end, um, so it, it um, like ultimately like if I if I had a magic wand like that's what I would I would hope that uh, more and more regulators around the world could could do that. And a final question for you: What's next for Wise? What's next for Wise? So. Um, as I said, it's it's still a long mission. Uh, we're moving very little of the world's money. We're driven, you know, again, to build money without borders and to make uh, the lives of our customers, both consumers and businesses, easier. Every single time that they make a transfer or they have to receive money or spend money, it should be super straightforward and super easy for them. This segment, like, uh, there are two two particular things that I'm, I am very excited about. Uh, one of them is international businesses are even more underserved than consumers. A lot of the fintechs have come around and started solving for consumers. A lot of traditional banks have started to do that. But at the same time, there is a huge segment of uh, small businesses that don't necessarily get the kind of services they that they should be getting. We are now trying to build a device business product for those customers that makes it super easy for them to manage their entire business in one place. And this is typically businesses of the size of, say, you know, five to 10 people, right? Like they don't have the time and the resources to use multiple tools and use multiple, uh, you know, different softwares to do the things that they need to do. 
And so we want to give them a tool that allows them to save time, save money, and then also makes their life a lot easier overall. So that's one. Second big area that I'm uh, very excited about is our um, uh, is a wise account powered by assets. Again, traditionally, very few people have had. Uh, when customers put their money in a bank, they don't know what a bank would do with that money, right? And then you know, bank would loan that out and give you some percentage interest in return. In most cases, nothing in return. So we want to give that power back to customers and again bring transparency to this whole journey of keeping money anywhere. So with Wise account with interest or with assets, what we want to do is that you your money you can decide how you want to keep that money. We will give back all of those returns back to you with a low transparent fee that Wise charges. You will always be in control of what your money is doing. You'll always know how much we are charging, and you'll always have access to that that money. Uh, you know, with with under, with instant access on sending and spending. So that's the second bit that I'm particularly excited about. But yeah, lots lots to build still. Brilliant. Yeah, lots to build still, as you say. And on that note, that wraps up this edition of FinTech Insider Focus in association with Visa. Thank you so much for joining me. Where can people find out more about you and WISE? Um, so people can go to WISE.com and see all of the products we offer for them. And they can find me on LinkedIn by my name. Um, yeah, thank you for having me, David. Brilliant. And you can find me on LinkedIn at David BG. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you like what you've heard, subscribe to our podcast and don't forget to leave us a review. It helps us to make it better and helps others to find the show. For more on this discussion, look out for the next episode of FinTech Insider Focus in two weeks' time. Thanks very much and goodbye. Goodbye.